Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Engaging the Phenomenon. And today, uh, we are honored to have a returning guest. That's uh, Dr. Bob Davis, who is a retired neurosensory research scientist and author. He's written the books, um, The UFO Phenomenon and uh, Unseen Forces. So welcome, Dr. Bob. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you again, James. Thanks for thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and again, it's great to have you back. And you know, there's a few things that I, I do want to discuss today. One, one being an article, and it's an upcoming article that you have publishing in March, and uh, a documentary. So the the article that's that's going to be published in March. Is, is from what I understand is called the phenomenology of a spiritual awakening and its trigger events, a preliminary review. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Subject and, to modification. Yes. It's still in right. the editorial phase. Yeah. Okay. And where is that going to be published? The Journal of Scientific Exploration. Okay. Yeah. So people can be on the lookout for that. And um, yeah, this, this, the the article uh, I thought was was really incredible, and you know for people watching and listening, you know the idea of uh, spiritual awakening, and and especially here we, we have the phenomenology and, and trigger events. So, you know, people who have had contact events will will no doubt be familiar with the aspect of you know what we can call a spiritual awakening. And, you know, for, again, for people watching and listening, I don't, I don't want them to conflate. So I'm trying to be specific here. Um, you know, say, to say that a, a UFO encounter can trigger a spiritual awakening, um, you know, that, you know, some people may conflate that as saying that the UFOs themselves are spiritual, which they may or may not be, right? And I think what we're trying to say here, at least what I'm trying to point to is that anything could be spiritual per se, but it's not that the UFO, the object or the occupants, which are or are not spiritual. It's your personal experience and transformation that is is the the what we're talking about with the spiritual aspect. Um, but let me let me give uh, you some space that on that, Doctor Bob, and and let's talk about that. Well, so. James, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it depends how you define spiritual. And, and to me, it's just a simply a truth seeker. So you see something you can't explain in the sky uh, or or up front and close and personal in, in your bedroom in the form of a gray, which I've heard too many stories of and, and all and everything in between. Whatever it is, it's a profound incident of reality and it and can be very mild or extreme in nature. Uh, so it makes person more spiritual. Why? How can they not question what happened to them? They're in, in a sense, a, a, a spiritual emergency. Call it, call it that they're seeking for answers, for lack of a better term. We don't have the language to define much of what we're talking about, <clears throat> for one thing. But we see that people have these kinds of events, whether it's related to a UAP, and certainly not all the time, but I've, I've interacted with many people who, who interacted with UAPs of varying kinds and varying ways. And they come with personal and philosophical beliefs and behaviors and attitudes that are changed. 
you know, call that whatever you want, a peak experience, a transformative experience, whatever you want, it lacks attention by the medical community and psychological community. And the proper resources that people need who have these kind of experiences, which of course reveal as a, a, the reality is far more complex than they could ever imagine. And, and the next day, week, month, it's certainly gonna feel very different in terms of their behavior and emotions as a result. And who do they turn to? What just happened to me? Why me? I was on board a ship or I had a near-death experience, an out-of-body experience, a kundalini awakening, a spiritually transformative event. And I wrote a paper, never thinking I would, as, as a research scientist for many decades at university, State University of New York. I never imagined I, I, I'd have some experiences that led me down this path where I researched it as, as I, I normally researched uh, any hypothesis to, to prove or disprove in a laboratory setting using the scientific method, but which doesn't apply here. And that's, and that's the intense frustration, James. You know, but so the best I could do is look at these various tr trigger events from psychedelic drugs again to you name it, meditation, yoga, there's a whole spectrum. Um, and, and the intent here is to wake up those that need to address the issue from a research standpoint and to manage people most effectively, if at all possible, from a clinical perspective, not to treat them as if they have a psychosis, uh, which may be in, in, in a certain percentage of cases, but the point is we don't have a clear clinical criteria, uh, methodological uh, formulation yet adopted by the DSM psychological community to deal with these spiritual events. When, when if you have an out-of-body experience uh, or near-death experience, um, who do you turn to? And and I just we Dave Beatty and I who are doing the documentary on the called the Consciousness Connection consciousnessfilm.info is a website. We just interviewed Eben Alexander at his home in Charlottesville, Virginia. And he talks about his near-death experience. It flipped him from a neurosurgeon to somebody who now talks nothing but near death, about near-death experiences and meditation and related matters. I've talked to too many professionals and non-professionals who have been flipped by a trigger event a uniquely intense incident of reality that simply leaves one questioning what is reality all about. That's it. UAPs are just a piece of, of a broad spectrum, a, a big piece, because they, they seem to interact quite frequently with people. I was a member of FREE. I incorporated some of the data in this article when I when I was invited to, to um, publish the article, which I did with, with Dr. Russ Scalpone. He's an, a, a psychologist, an expert in statistical analyses, and, and our results in over 3,200 individuals who claim to have interacted with the UAP associated with or without a non-human intelligent being, 75% of them considered it to be purely consciousness, an interaction with a God, a force, an energy, a spirit. Uh, they feel love. They, they feel the oneness, the absence of time and space. All that stuff we've read about. You, your audience is familiar with all that stuff. And, and But to see their qualitative responses and quantitative in the form of an extensive survey, which needs to be replicated, I'm well aware of limitations in survey studies. But nevertheless, the Journal of Scientific Exploration, a well-established peer-reviewed journal, 
strong editors. I, 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 we had a resubmit after incorporating reliability measures and other factors. It was accepted. And that's the point. You know, you, people are critical of it, but the large message is uh, about 25% of the 3,200 people do say they that they were on board a craft, interacted with the being, um, had sex, uh, saw their hybrid babies, all the stuff we hear, but to a much lesser extent than, than the more broad expanse of what people describe as an oetic experience. Uh, you know it, that infinite sense of, of of truth or reality that that what this paper in a sense is all about trying to tie together these various trigger events and some of the limited research some phenomenological we need more in uip studies try to tie them together to look at the similarities for instance um there's a study that's done in from john hopkins university where some research is looking at just this Entity encounters uh, are primarily initiated by the other entity, of course, and they're benevolent, loving. Um, they have telepathic abilities. We know that. But here it's it's appearing. The point is, it's appearing in peer-reviewed journals, in Journal of Neurology, Journal of Psychology, by well-established academicians. Uh, these are conscious, intelligent, benevolent individuals. Uh, there are malicious, distrustful entities, some people say, but to much less you know, percent of the time, just like there's negative UAP experiences, negative NDEs, um, you name it, negative uh, paranormal experiences, but to a much lesser extent of the time. The point is we're just scratching the surface. And while we we need to gain knowledge about the physical kinematic aspects, which I, and I applaud all those organizations that are on board now doing research in that arena. I can't say enough about them. I called for that, the need to do this kind of more multidisciplinary or public and private a study of the UAPs, and I discussed that in my first book, and I see that coming to pass, and that's such a breath of fresh air, you know. And this, this all this paper is tied in with the documentary. The results we see from the free study, and I'm not a member of it anymore. I had it published and left. Is is what John Mack used to say. Yeah, you know, he met with Rick Straussman and they compare their notes between people who ingest DMT and experiences that John Mack, the Harvard researcher, of course, who who studied over 350 individuals who, who interacted with uh, the phenomenon, UAP phenomenon, who he believed were sincere in nature and believed that they actually did, at least in their mind. Um which leads me to another thought, which I'll get to. But I throw a lot of UAP stuff in here and the associated transpersonal outcomes that are associated with it. And what is com coming, what is happening? And it, it, the best as I can see is that once you start questioning reality, there's some degree of ego dissolution involved. There's a perceptual shift. And some scientists are trying to study that. Um, from a psychologic standpoint, from a, a, a neurologic standpoint, a brain standpoint, um, a consciousness standpoint, whatever you call it, a, a subjective versus physical. 
um, to, to, to try to better understand these transformative experiences because some people are saying they lose fear of death and they they uh, no longer have anxiety, they they have better self-control, etc. Although initially it's an ontological shock, as as uh, that as as uh, John Mack would say, and one has to deal with that. So it's not easy, that process of spiritual emergency and the whole transformative experience over time. Some can't deal with it and can suffer negative consequences. So we need a better support system. And we certainly need more research by qualified scientists from, from all different disciplines. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Dr. John Mack, and of course, he wrote the book, uh, passport to the cosmos and i love that you know he said you know having one of these encounters is like a passport to the cosmos because it opens you up to a much greater reality you know it's not just about there's this physical craft and you know these entities it's it's it goes way beyond that it opens your mind again if we can use terminologies like spiritual awakening to a, a, a much greater reality um, again, you're talking about entities that, you know, we're told in our society, we're the, the top of the food chain, we're the greatest intelligence. And here we see entities that seem highly advanced, both, you know, spiritually or mentally and, and technologically, uh, you know, but also things like the ESP, um, psychic, you know, telepathic messages, downloads, um, which it, things like that when you experience them firsthand it's it's very different than just reading about it in a book right it's different than like oh, i'm gonna read a book on remote viewing when you have a direct experience of something like that you know and that that deep that knowing firsthand it creates the fundamental uh transformation in your awareness and consciousness um if i can say so so well, that, yeah continue please no go ahead go ahead well with that without question uh these extraordinary events um uh, maybe there's a pandemic occurring along these lines as well and people are seeking them out in the form of psychoactive drugs and and trying to interact with uaps in the form of ce5s uh, increases in meditation practices so so there is a um, I don't know what you want to call it, a bit of a shift. We're on the cusp of it, and um, and and we have a long way to go and to learn about about the brain and how how it can it can be. We can better understand how it functions uh, when people have these awakenings, where it helps them, where it improves them psychologically, or reduces their anxiety. It may give us some insight into how the brain can be intelligently positively ethically manipulated via drug uh, not i'm not talking advanced ais here i'm talking if you understand maybe uh, for instance meditators uh, studies done by uh in tibet tibetan meditators uh, monks they found that they had a larger prefrontal cortexes than a control group and smaller amygdalas significantly so and the amygdala center you'd want a smaller one because that mediates fear and anxiety whereas the prefrontal is more 
uh, higher cognitive function reasoning so meditation we see has a more very pronounced effect on on perspectives and health and and and, and, and emotion regulation in many ways so people are looking at these at these just called SDEs spiritual transformative experiences maybe now more than ever and 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 while the UAP falls on that arena we see confirmation of the free study results by uh, studies done by MUFON, you know, Kathy Martin, a, a friend of mine who worked uh, on uh, on free with me, uh, she she saw similar results to ours uh, in, as part of the experiencer research team uh, conducted by MUFON just recently or a year or two ago. Uh, my my friend who I mentioned earlier, Russ Calpone, is doing a study of the Phoenix Lights right now with Dr. Lynn Katai. I put him in touch with her. Um, uh, and and they're seeing they're seeing this. Those that respond to a survey of, of seeing the, the Phoenix lights, and it, that again is very varies in descriptions from you know several miles in diameter, sits over Sky Harbor in Phoenix for a period of time, which apparently did uh, link a tie sword, and it drove her to doing a documentary, just like it drove me to doing and co-producing a documentary with Dave Beatty. Uh, unconsciousness, because that's what we're talking about, I think, here. Call it spiritual, call it oneness, call it interconnect. I call it information exchange. Transcendence of, of information to me represents the, the, the broad discipline of definitions of consciousness. It can come in the form of propofol via an IV, from wakefulness to an out-of-body experience or remote viewing. You mentioned ESP earlier. You see, when I... I had a shared death experience, which led me to write my second book, Life After Death, Analysis of the Evidence. And then I had a Kundalini awakening, which led me to write my latest book, uh, The uh, Unseen Forces, The Integration of Science, Reality, and You, which in turn motivated me to develop a documentary, which I'm now doing with Dreamtime Entertainment, Dynamic Award with Dave Beatty. Point is, um, I was a hardcore left brain scientist. And after these experiences have been modified in some ways, enough to the point where I'm talking to you instead of going out and playing golf on this beautiful day down in Southwest Florida, especially when a hurricane is not approaching. Um, I flipped. I talked to Jeffrey Kripal, a noted philosopher, historian at Rice University. Um, and he, he wrote a book on, on over 40 so-called scientists who just do just that. Hardcore scientific method and something extraordinary happens to them and have a spiritual transformative experience. And it comes in many different ways. Uh, so, so the point is, now they're seeing uh, in studies in, at, at John Hopkins, when you administer DMT to atheists, you now see a large percent of them believing in a supreme being. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You you know, and you know, I don't know how many people are aware of this. You're starting to see and, and people are looking at psychedelics, you know, not 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 only in terms of hey, 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 Billy, what are you doing? Let's let's do some mushrooms today. You know, you gotta be careful. Uh, but there are ayahuasca farms, as farms, so ayahuasca retreats. So you know, we we, we considered visiting one. Um Connor Tanner Connor runs one down in uh, Brazil. He invited Dave and I down there. 
Um, but we have enough to deal with uh, up here. Um, but you, you mentioned ESP. It's real. It's subtle, but real. You know, Dean Radin is in our documentary. Um, um, and the, doing a documentary, by having these, these various experiences, from a shared death experience to accumulating experience to now interacting and learning from other scientists is such a pleasure for me. Um, I've made so many friends. Um, I met Eben Alexander, and at the same time, we interviewed uh, uh, Joe McMonagle, the psychic spy uh, who worked for every acronym from the CIA down, up and down for many years during the uh, Project Stargate. And the stories he showed, told me were remarkable. Um, and I said to him in, in closing, I spent an hour with him in a room prior to our interviewing on a formal basis. I said to him, if you don't mind me saying, Joe, uh, my discussion with you on, on, on your experiences, remote viewing is, is like a cognitive orgasm. But the point is, if I wasn't doing a documentary, I wouldn't have these kinds of experiences with, with people like um, uh, Diane Hennessy Powell, a neuropsychiatrist, also in a documentary. She does research with autistic savants who we all know have unique skills, unexplainable in some areas, in the area of creativity, music or math or something like that. And she says to me, Bob, I know uh, a, a four-year-old who can speak six different languages. And according to her and her research, documented in her book, The ESP Enigma, she was never exposed to any of that other than English. Uh, I, I know, we, we've heard of these stories. I, I, I know um, a six-year-old, I asked for the cube root uh, of, a, of a four-digit number, and, and Sarah gives me the answer to the, you know, sixth decimal, decimal point after looking to the right for about seven seconds. You know, uh, do they, do, does their brain represent, um, provide some information? Um, that doesn't mean that we can, if we learn anything from that, or that's brain-based, you understand? We don't have hard evidence that there's something clearly structural in the brain that could give rise to those kinds of behaviors. We're still looking. Um, but some people contend they're tapping into that, <clears throat> call it what you want, semantic field. Akashic records. We 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 understand maybe that that envelope on the black hole, as as my friend Rudy Shield, who's a member of free physicist from Harvard, he says, um, Bob, that's where all information is contained. Uh, the past, present, and future don't don't exist. It's a holographic universe, um, and he ascribes to that. And then I ask him, what's a UAP? We've had many discussions about this. And he, then he tells me, UAP, uh, it's a, it's quantum amplifiers governed by quadrupole radiation. Okay, now I have the answer. All right, quantum amplifiers. Who said that? Physicist from, uh, you know, he knows uh, Avi Loeb. Um, Avi Loeb wanted to be in a documentary, but is under contract in another and um and it was kind of him to respond uh, but i i can't commend these individuals enough for they who 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 support the, the the galileo project SETI's now getting involved uh looking at uap to include anything unidentified unidentified does that mean orbs 
you know that's one of my many questions as opposed to that so-called structured uh, craft or or that scene that, that Dave done a little uh, film on a uh, remarkable uh, observed by personnel of the U USS Ronald Reagan and Cursage um you know, revealing these this these kinds of incidents that can't be explained and then you have um you have uh, Kevin Knuth who's, who's who's doing research and saying that these things are moving at 60 mark right the breakthrough technology interestingly you know uh, greater than 60 miles I think that's more than 100,000 1,000 miles per hour thing is back in the 50s uh, there's a, there was a German physicist I remember this while I was reviewing my book UFO book that also came up with the same answer of the velocity of UFOs with something like around 60 62 Mach so here we are 1500 g-forces so we here we are how many decades later when we're revealing that the same information I don't mean to be critical of Knuth I can't I can't applaud him and his colleagues enough uh, and they're finding other interesting information um that they're not yet ready more questions than answers of course but you know here we have the even the DOD involved NASA involved uh, but also organizations that look at experiencers okay those that interact with it too few and far between but I just spoke with instance you, you talked about um, John Mack I just spoke with Karen uh, Austin she's the, she worked with John Mack for years before and after his death she lived with him um and and John Mack's wife and she wants to just now restore the the John Mack Institute so to begin doing research on the experience of phenomena you know going beyond free trying to to document the phenomenon using standardized batteries of tests that that rule out the, the you know, psychosis we want well-balanced individuals something that John Mack did when he did his screening for subjects in his study you know, he didn't do it randomly like many sub studies are doing it's simply because it's too expensive to to implement a Minnesota battery of tests to, to assess one's personality you know, prior to this and 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 these these trigger events occur spontaneously largely how do you how do you you can't measure it you can't do a pre and post analysis um uh, except for DMT and that's why a lot of researchers are moving in that area trying to use DMT you see as maybe maybe a model for spiritual transformative experiences that can simulate the kinds of what brain-based or not effects that are, that occur during a this profound incident of reality which people have on psychedelics and we know there's many positive aspects to it from a therapeutic standpoint um thus far and we need to to learn more but um you know the the, the, the documentary touch is, is going to include these people inclu including Gary Nolan he, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Gary many times. We're going to be filming up at the Nolan Labs at Stanford University sometime, um, you know, or six months this year. And um, I can't applaud enough the kind of research that he's doing, uh, and and, uh, he, and he's collaborating with members at Harvard University on many projects, um, and eventually we'll learn from his work and and hopefully many other people who who take up. Uh, the effort unfortunately research in this area requires money and it's often self-funded 
So it's hard to get grant money. It's hard to get money for my documentary. I've been frustrated to no end trying to act as a producer, trying to increase attention, you know, say, go to go down to the website, go to GoFundMe. It's embarrassing. You know, GoFundMe page, you can 10, 20, all that stuff. It's, you know, at some level, it's embarrassing, but at another level, it's it's an important cause for many people who, who have the money, you know, they, they have a six months notice and, and they don't know what to do with their money. I'm looking for that one person or the investor, you know, with $20,000 who buys into this stuff and, and willing to come on board. Um, you know, that's that's ideally what, what you look for in the film business. And and one day I'm doing a research in a laboratory setting and the next day I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about this. So help. Yeah, yeah. So and I encourage people to support the film. If, if people wanted to support the documentary, the consciousness connection, how or where can they do that? They can visit our uh, website at consciousnessfilm.info, consciousnessfilm.info, and it contains uh, the objectives, themes of the film. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll run into the the people who are, um, agreed to participate, and that needs to be updated. And um, there's a GoFundMe page there if people are, are willing to support it. And thank you, thank you. Um, you know, beforehand, if you do, it's very kind of you. And and if not, drop me a note, and it's just kind of it's be sweet to hear you know positive reinforcement as I've heard from many people. And here again, one of the positive things about doing this is getting in contact with so many people who are experiences, people who are scientists uh, in academic settings, and two who are experiencers. Um, and and I'm an experiencer. You know, you kind of have this uh, little community, uh, and, and it gives you a little positive reinforcement, which says to you, you know, no, you know, you're doing the right thing. Going in this rabbit hole can be, can be quite maddening because there's no answer. And I spend decades searching for an answer, and there's always one: either reject or 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 accept the, the null hypothesis, uh, or, or something in between. But you had an answer. Uh, in one way, shape, or form, you got it published, and you get a grant, you do all that sort of stuff. This is beyond that. This is this is so complex because we need the physical, but we also need the the non-physical, and and that uh, is what we what we call what and that an aspect of enhanced consciousness of the people. What people talk about that profound feeling of joy and peace and ineffability and um you know what's the divorce rate in those who have a near-death experience there was a study done 70 percent of them who have an nde wind up in divorce after seven years far beyond far beyond the, the normal um incident rate of divorce you know it seems that many people they interact with the uap if we could focus on jap one trigger events since that's often the nature of your show they go into this ontological shock they, they they question their worldviews and reality. How can you not? I saw I saw I was in walking in Sedona, Arizona in 2012 with my wife. I was always interested in UFOs, especially when I saw one of the first uh, Mercury uh, astronauts, Gordon Cooper, say on video in a documentary that he observed a UFO land at White Sands Beach, um, and then it took off in a blink of an eye. Um, same thing when he was a pilot in the, either in the 50s or early 60s. He says, we observed these silvery discs and we, we 
couldn't keep up with it. But but he was a firm believer, and certainly he's not alone. I talked to somebody who who was uh, who chased the. Uh, who was part of the DC fifty two um, buzzing of the of the Capitol building of, of a week plus time? Uh, one of the pilots, she's uh, in his mid nineties. He can hardly hear. I met him at a conference. It was, uh, it was a wonderful conversation, as, as short in order as it was. But he was giving me detail about these things. And no, no, these were structural craft, and they were exceeding velocities that far, far exceed anything that was conceivable at that time. Um, and uh, it still creates an image in his mind and, and wants to talk about it. It's like that ontological shock that, that Richard Dreyfus doing the mashed potato scene and posing uh, Kansas of the third kind. Uh, you know, it's just something driving him. There's something driving many of those you know, who are listening to you. I know there's something driving you, James. You're an experiencer. But the point is, there's information exchange. Whatever experience you had, when I saw those orbs at Bradshaw Ranch, that's the Sedona, Arizona version of the Skinwalker Ranch. And you, you, well, I got, I got what I wished for. I saw an orange orb, you know, several hundred feet away, I, 50, 60 feet up, got my attention. Um, round orange orb. Dave Beatty depicts it beautifully in, 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 on his YouTube. That's shown from his uh, USS Ronald Reagan doc, doc that he recently did. Um, and then a second one emerged from it. They were there stationary for 30 seconds and then they winked out. All right. Well, next day is a little different than the day before. Uh, that motivated me to write that book, which is which is doesn't include updated information, but but it includes what's coming to pass, and that great gives me great joy that we're now seeing greater attention in in many ways. Not that we need we don't need more, we do uh, more funding certainly in in academia uh, at, at, to study this phenomenon. Uh, it, 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 parapsychology, near death. We visited University of Virginia. Uh, I had the opportunity to walk in an uh, Ian Stevenson film, Ian Stevenson's laboratory. We visited Monroe Institute and interviewed many people there um, who were doing research on consciousness studies and experiences in, with out-of-body near-death experiences. Uh, it's remarkable to have these kinds of, um, this time in my life, which is uh, uh, scientific, it's creative, it's um why? And I say, you often say to myself, why? And, and certainly my neighbors do. Why is this dude doing this, right? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the Richard Dreyfus doing the mashed potato thing. And um, not that I go on board uh, one of the craft, although uh, people claim they do. And uh, it's, it's hard to, in their mind, they do believe it. And this is a key point. The people who have these kinds of interactions whatever that may be, that holographic universe, no time, no space, I don't even go and be overly redundant here. They believe it still exists, even when they come out of it. I saw the UFO, I had the interaction, uh, I, I entered a matrix, uh, I, I saw the sparkly ball, you, you know all the stories. It, 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 it comes in every way, shape and form, but but that ontological shock and that associated exchange of information results what I think is enhanced consciousness. 
And I think many uh, neuroscientists, psychologists are now looking at that term enhanced consciousness more closely from a research perspective, biologic, psychologic, philosophic, because they, they, they either their experiences or they, they know very credible people who are. And they, for some reason, get it. And those who are also very religious, they practice the same thing that we believe in. They go to church or synagogue every weekend, and um, it, ESP is written all over the place there. <laughs> you know, same thing. Uh, yet they're critical, however, uh, and they ascribe to this physical universe and are staunch in their, their opposition to what we are talking about. And that's okay. Some people are simply not governed that way. Um, many people are just by innate quality of the, of the human spirit, of the brain. I think we have that innate ability, a quality that should be modified properly, ethically, to make us more spiritual, to in, enhance our consciousness, establish meditation and people's practice early on in life because there are significant benefits um, and i can go on from a biological standpoint as well as a psychological standpoint of just meditation alone and many people have that kundalini experience and that's what many people who uh, do yoga and, and other forms of meditative practices including mind and body strive for that kundalini i will tell you this james kundalini is real it, like you said earlier until you experience it, you, you know, you know, you, 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 you're just talking. I experienced Kundalini, and the next day I was in Sydney, Australia, having to get my way back here, home. Um, good luck. Dead of summer, suit and tie, a place you don't want to be. You wouldn't be out in nature, hugging trees, if anything. Um, it's a unique experience. It, it it came on me suddenly through channeling by a, a, a phys, former physician who was also flipped. She saw her child being crushed by a car against a fence in Australia. She saw him leave his body. He interacted with her through dreams, etc. He told her to go to India to 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 go to a specific temple. And she said when she entered that temple and touched um, where the, 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 whatever, the pharaoh laid, um, she was zapped in the head. And ever since, she had a, a, a power that she couldn't explain. Well, let me tell you, she has a power. Uh, I've seen it, her effects of her power on others. You, you, you call it what you will that moves me it, it, you have to experience it as you said but these these similar perceptual shifts and people who have these triggered events uh, uh, they're, they're conscious of themselves but others more so um they have that ego dissolution whereby they don't are not the center of the universe as much as they were before and that's the point I, if you can make everybody uh, have a little less ego, I think we all understand that, that maybe we wouldn't have war and, and, and hate and evil in our society as much as we do. It's easy to say, but I think ego dissolution is behind that. Not unique to me. 
um, through my many years of studying and writing about you know, consciousness and psychology and physics and many of these other areas that I would not have otherwise, unless I was an experiencer at some level, uh, I, I can't help but come away with the fact that the, you know our language doesn't explain it or, or define it well. So when you use term terms, you, you sound weird. If I said to you, universal wisdom and love, you know, um, I can move through objects. I have a, I have a holographic view. Um, uh, the beings I see through psychedelics, NDE, etc., they're comforting, protecting. Uh, they, my interactions are cool. You know, they're conscious and intelligent, as I mentioned earlier. So the point is, they're changed by it. It doesn't. That's the big picture. It doesn't matter what you think, how you express it. It's real to them, and but they want closure too. Don't you see? They know there's more. I know there's more. Uh, I scratched the surface, but what a surface it was. Um, I have a long way to go, but I know, like you said, I know there's more. How do I, how did I know this? Uh, I had the sensation of suffocation one morning. I'd never had a lucid dream before, let alone that, that intense feeling of dying. I couldn't breathe. And I it was a sensation that could you couldn't help but wake up. It was so frightening. But the point is, I knew that my colleague in the lab had passed away. A sense of knowingness. And I found out later that morning that she did. I've mentioned this many times. And and not a coincidence. Uh, it, she died that morning when I had that lucid uh, dream. Never had one before or since. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about an informational field, the parallel universe? Uh, uh, Joe McMonagle doing uh, his, his OBE, and his remote viewing, and seeing a newly developed Russian sub off an exact location that's later confirmed by advanced technology. Defense Secretary Robert Gates, according to Job, um, you know, was was I very angry because he would uh, upstage him. You know, Gates using you know billions of dollars to find this information, and and Joe was in his uh, you, know, you know six by ten office in the Pentagon, making fun of Bob at, at lunch. You know, he, listening to stories like this, it's uh, quite interesting. So. You know, uh, you know, where do you go? You know, what is a UAP? Uh, Valet, Heineck, it's interdimensional. Sagan, what did Sagan say? Uh, uh, alien abduction is, is, is improbable, but communication is possible with, with ET. Uh, I mentioned, I think, what Rudy Shield said earlier, the quantum amplifiers that use dipole radiation. And good luck with that. Akaku. You know, it's a plank energy. Um, or I heard I heard an interview, Mikhail Kaku, noted physicist, he's on many shows on, on documentaries from uh, City University of New York. He even speculated that uh, it, that it could be consciousness being somehow transported here from elsewhere. Like uh, Avi Loeb saying, you know, Umumua, in, in a sense, was like a UAP sent by aliens. That that in part led to development of Project Galileo. Good for him. Uh, and some some people uh, 
scientists, physicists, uh, you know, they're saying uh, just that consciousness or AI from another another part of the universe. You know, they, or we live in a simulation reality. We have Tom Campbell, author of My Big Toe, in the documentary, uh, noted computer scientists, theoretical physicists. You know, he 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 wrote a trilogy called My Big Toe, who and he ascribes to the simulation reality hypothesis. He, he along with Bob Monroe, did the initial research on. Uh, out-of-body experiences at Monroe Institute. Um, and um, that's where he's going. In fact, Diane Hennessy Powell thinks that autistic savants, who I mentioned earlier, um, provide an example of a simulation reality. Thinking, her line of thinking is that how else could they get this information? How can a four-year-old speak six different languages? Um, to her, that is what you mean or define by simulation reality. You know, are UAPs avatars? Are there other, you know, conscious entities, you know, you know controlling us or control the system as Valet would ascribe to, and many do. Um, or, or some think they're demons, a higher power energy being. And that's that's what's interesting. That concept of higher power, energy beings, I hear it many times from people who interact with the UAP, let's see, let's say, what does that mean, a UAP? I, that, that alone is an enigma, but something, yeah, I, we can't identify, but that that's a, an enormous range of possibilities that people experience. Um, but getting back to the phoenix lights and i apologize for going all over the place the most common interaction that people would say is that they interact with energy beings um supreme beings they see the grays but to a much less frequent extent that was associated with the phoenix lights um in our study we uh we of course saw the small grays Tall grays, obviously, and again, energy beings. By energy beings, we're talking glowing orbs. You know, for lack of a better term, we're trying to describe it to the person what an energy being may be. So this is a lack in translation and language here. We need more phenomenological research, of course, not only in terms of how it may affect a person directly, but but by third parties, people they are married to. Let's get confirmation from others in in, in their life. You know, that that's extensive research and it's not easy to do and i and i encourage many to do that but uh, there's a research or phd dissertation right there or just a good research exercise you know com compare from a phenomenological standpoint the impact these one or more of these experiences have on the person in all domains of life and but also interview the, a significant other or two of theirs and, and look for consistency. And that's why we need anthropologists, literally, linguists, people from all disciplines looking at this phenomena from a subjective less essence. You know, what is the, what did it mean to me? What is the what message or meaning do I come away with when when I interact with uh, whatever the phenomenon was? whether it's a ghost who, uh, you know, black eyes staring at me when I wake up in the morning, um, that's four feet in, 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 in height. 
um, you know, what are we talking about here? Um, I'm more spiritual. I have less interest in organized religion. And the interesting point that really got me in, in the free study, um, those that had more than three interactions with the UAP, <clears throat> 83 and a, about 83 and a half of them, percent of them, I think it represented a subset of the population, but over a thousand but but almost 85 percent of them did not want their experience to end they literally wanted to continue interacting with the beings associated with the uap or beings not associated with the uap but oftentimes it was the grace or the the nordics those those so-called beautiful people <laughs> and as described um, there are others, but yeah, uh, you know, what's that all about? You know, John Mack uh, talked about it, writes about it, uh, and now um, the new director wants wants to further um, explore that. So, you know, that this the complexity of this phenomenon, UAP or otherwise, is just beyond belief. Uh, you know, which which direction you want to go? I'm giving a paper for the Journal of uh, UAP Studies. In fact, um, they're having a convention, virtual conference. It's coming up in February, I believe. It's a PowerPoint presentation on on the dichotomy of of UAPs in terms of spiritual and physical aspects. Um, there's no question in my mind that it contains both. Um, and there's no question in my mind that we're probably talking about many different types of UAPs. You know, I'm not the only one who says UAP is not just one thing. Um, how do we study it? How do we segment it? And are we talking about orbs here? You know, flying discs, 30 feet in diameter, you know, you know what I mean? It has something else here. <clears throat> what does an interaction or experience really mean? A physical define it non-physical define that using terms that are relatively easy to understand duplicate the free studies the MUFON study study done by John Mack Kenneth Ring and a few others uh, I don't advocate I'm not I don't advocate for hypnotic regression to try to retrieve memories of possible abductions I know a lot of people seek that um it may work in some cases. It may. I'm not denouncing it. All, all I know is the mind is very tricky, and and false memories can be believed. And and Bud Hopkins and uh, and, and the other I forget the other person's name. They, they 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 were good in what they did, but they came to the wrong conclusion. They thought the phenomenon was largely negative, uh, and they used hypnotic regression in ways that were from what I understand, manipulative in some ways. So there's some good and bad in their research. There's some good and bad in all research, um, of course, including freight. Uh, we need we need further research in that area. I can't begin to explain the, the need of research. And and, and uh, it's, it's touching that we're seeing some progress now. Yeah, in regards to progress, you know, the... 2023 NDAA was signed into law and you know people will know that in within that there were 33 pages dedicated to uh, UAP and uh, you know collecting data and studying it and I, I think that's an important part to make 
uh, a note to make here is that you know you know we're we're talking heavily right now about transformative experiences phenomenology um spiritual transformation which are many times subjective but you know and and with with what's going on with the uap studies uh, you know within the dod and the pentagon you know they're looking for they're looking at physical effects and they they have them on record where people have come into proximity of of uaps ufos and there are physical effects from that that can be measured yeah we're we're talking about something that is physically real you're exactly Uh, right you're exactly right the the uh, defense intelligence agency uh, released over 1500 documents of these were government commissioned scientific reports and letters um to the pentagon about the ufo program and and it was this is information that they compiled i forget the 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 time period but it was very long in nature from going back to 1800s or something like the 1990s where they're they they acknowledge abductions you know about 150 cases they reported in their electromagnetic effects on vehicle uh perceived time loss electrical shock all of that stuff even sexual encounters um, but then, but then you go to the DOD threat scenario, and and, and that was the ATIP sub focus area. And if you read that, you know it acknowledges that that they use you know cognitive human uh, interface, that and they they use that terminology. And I when I was reading that, I I, I was I, I questioned what does that mean? You know they throw Ingo Swan and remote viewers at it. Um, they study ESP. You know who is it that said to study, understand the phenomenon? You have to understand ESP, ES, how ESP works. You know Grant Cameron among many others say that. Uh, people at the Pentagon who say it claims to say just that too seems to be a component uh, apparently. And I'm seeing that in the people I talk to, and and, and I see it in the data. You know in our study. Uh, they they discuss these anomalies. They were well aware of it, uh, and uh, you know you come out with these revelations from the government. We shouldn't be all that surprised, but we still are. At least that they're acknowledging it. And there's a long way to go. And of course, they're not going to create a spiritual transformative experience or more specifically, <laughs> a spiritual emergency by saying, "Guess what, everybody? Here's all the data we have." these things are real they know they know it's real that's that's not an argument anymore well what do you think they're going to do with that drop it in the lap on the six o'clock news we know they're not and there's a debate about whether or not they should you know there's a lot of considerations but but and it's hard to say how society would take it i thought we'd be more reactive in when we got to 2017 news than what we were but people are so overwhelmed with so much aspects of of life that um you know this is just one thing on top of another you deal with you deal with covid you deal with the this that and life in general inflation you know it's a struggle um and and then you know you throw uap little uap revelations on them and they, they you know many deny it some are turned on by it and and most are in between you get your bell co- curve of reaction uh but but uh people the main thing is people people come away from this knowing knowing that that the 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 phenomenon is is far more complex than they can ever imagine and and that that intense realization 
may may be what holds promise for us because it moves us away from destructive tendencies if it, if it does enhance consciousness um and the transpersonal experience does seem to be beneficial in the long run so the uaps is are they increasing or enhancing our spirituality by just them showing up and guess what we we, we we're around you know is it is it a coexisting life form you know one can even make the case that in some cases uh we that plasma if the fourth um, fourth state of matter um <clears throat> which exists in our universe it comprises the vast majority of dark matter um let me get to the point <clears throat> may have intelligence and then many of or a certain percentage of the uaps are plasma based and and we've heard this before of course but um interactive luminous plasma and i wrote a little piece on this too um i i call it interactive luminous plasma primarily based on the observations of two astrophysicists harvey rutledge he he observed and studied these uh, lights in the northeast of missouri in the 70s and 80s and he came away with the conclusion that these things incorporate heightened awareness synchronicities paranormal sounds and lights absurd coincidences and, and their behavior couldn't be understood and he was a strict physicist uh, but, the, but it brought him to the non-physical level well that you know that's missouri 19 i forget the year, early 80s late 70s over a period of time and then you come up with a um hey, what's his name um that has down lights and uh um I, I forget his name but um massimo tier durani he too threw the scientific method at the at the lights the plasmoids whatever you want to call it and they almost always had a trigger reaction you almost always triggered a reaction from them they start to pulsate or change in pulsation every time a beam was you know shown on them you know it, it, he came away with the same conclusions this is decades after in a separate part of the world as as Harvey Rutledge did Tio Durani and Rutledge these, yeah, these that's, are intelligent that's a now, world yeah a worldwide phenomenon because you have that in those areas but also um um what's that place in Norway um, has Dallin yeah Hesselin or Hestalin yeah. and uh you know I a few friends of mine went down to South America to Colombia and they did a, a, a series called phenomenology and they they have uh, season two coming out. Um, uh, you know, Vinny from disclosure team and, and uh, Dan Zetterstrom, uh, you know, they're doing a series and they're, you know, they have the same thing in South America where there's these seemingly intelligent light phenomenon that are interactive. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize I didn't realize that um, um but you see it, it spurred my uh motivation to to learn more read more about plasma and David Baum even addressed it he, and and he reported that he did some studies with plasma what he did was um he took electrons and he put it in plasma and he and he said that the electrons it started to behave as if they were part of a uh what do you call it a larger interconnected whole 
you know, you start to get into this um, you know, quantum entanglement kind of thing, um, you know, which gives the, the impression that it was alive, at least to him, and that it had the traits of living things. Now, David Baum is saying that, you know, you know the expert, explicate, implicate order you know, is, 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 in a sense, what he's getting at. So it was a four-stated matter, which is primarily composed of the plasma base. It's very poorly understood, of course. And Bush is doing a lot of studies with plasma. They come to the same conclusion. You know, could it be, is this a coexisting life form that's atmospheric, like all, all life forms? We just don't understand their language when they try to interact with us. How, how, how is it when we interact with the, any other life forms? They can't make sense of us, well, unless we, you know, reinforce them one way or another or we certainly can't easily make sense of them you know maybe it's the same way with the plasma with i'm speculating of course i have no answer you know anybody that does think they have an answer to this is is egoic in, in my in my mind but uh, you can't help but speculate so entertain me I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that now but whatever my two cents may be worth um uh, I I I I got off off the topic, but we we're seeing that there's an intelligence out there, plasma or otherwise, probably many different things, many different space times. I can't, you know, I can start talking about the holographic concept of reality and 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 other associated theories. I can't. I'm not a physicist, so you're not hearing it from an expert. Um, but I know I, I know many people in the field who are who are quite interesting uh, and have discussed this and want to be um, in the documentary that can address that at some level. Um, you know what what is this all about? Uh, this, this this there is this other intelligence. UAPs are part of it. They make us themselves visible, but. You know, Mac Mac is right. I can't help back at what was it, 1999? They know, the experiences know that what they have gone through doesn't fit in their prevailing mechanistic worldview. That alone, knowing that something happened to me is real, I can't deny it. I know it like the back of my hand. And even when it goes away, I, I know that the beings were there or that, again, altered reality were there. I know it, and and that aspect of of seeing that altered or unseen world uh, is is the shock that um, brings one down a path that needs to be integrated. Usually takes time, but again, it needs proper support, um, and that is hard sometimes for some. And there's, everybody has predispositions. We interpret things differently. There's many layers to our personality and perspectives and beliefs that, that are modified by these experiences and are so complex in nature. So, you know, there are many psychologists, however, who are experiences and who do deal with experiences, but you have to find one who gets it. Just like you're yeah. talking about, and they're hard to find. Yeah, and actually, you know, I was part of a a really um, coherent and um, a big CE five group, if we can call it that, um, in upstate New York. And the the two uh, women who hosted it were both, um, you know, practicing uh, psychologists, uh, and you know, here they were hosting, you know, these incredible CE five events for many years um in upstate new york and there you know there'd be 
you know, it started out, there were just like three or four of us. Um, and then, you know, within a year or so we had 20 to 30 people joining us every time. And, uh, again, they were, or are trained psychologists. Um, uh, but some, something I, I wanted to get to, and, you know, you mentioned a few times here is an important theme is that like, where is the, you know, it's, it's not like these experiences are one-offs, right? It's, it's actually pretty prevalent within our society, uh, both modern. And if you want to go back and to consider what people call religious experience, right? These are things that have been observed and experienced throughout all of human history. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, there's many effects The you know, post effects, of um you know whether it be a near-death experience or uh, a close encounter with a ufo or uap non-human intelligence and entities and somebody um who who i I believe we're both familiar with is has been you know involved with an effort in trying to have support for these kind of experiences to better understand it and that's um you know, one of my friends, Daniel Ingram, and he has um, the ERPC, the emergent, oh, EP, EPRC, sorry, Emergent Phenomenon Research Consortium. Uh, and he, you know, he's been doing what I believe is pioneering work and trying to get experiences like this acknowledged on the clinical level and, and beyond just acknowledgement. How do you research, study, support and actually put it into the medical language. So, you know, if you have an experience like this, there's professionals that would be able to help you, you know, given the research is done and there's specialists and what have you. And, you know, they could offer support and, and you can put it on your insurance, right? Because it's a natural phenomenon. This is part of the human experience. So are, are you familiar with Daniel Ingram and his work? Yes, uh, Daniel and I had a wonderful conversation, uh, and, and I hear during <clears throat> this is again another another wonderful aspect of the documentary. It, it brought me to him, uh, you know, again seeking people out, considering to consider the possibility of of being involved to participate in, in our documentary, the consciousness connection. And we had a wonderful conversation about what what the, the, his organization is doing, and and what I what I find most intriguing is that these organizations are so few and far between. You know, they also promote meditation, OBEs, Hemisync, as Monroe Institute does, as his organization does, uh, Les Velez with Opus. I forget the OPUS, what, the, what that stands for. The, you know, the, the work that the Dr. Mack Institute is doing, the Ryan Institute, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, at Stanford Research Lab, Nolan's work looking at the brain of experiences. Uh, and it was a remarkable groundbreaking potentially research um but these mystical experience religious awakenings look you, you mentioned incidents of it um the nde alone i believe it, it occurs in about two hundred thousand people in the united states per year millions worldwide per year 
and I and I can't remember the uh, the point of the, the the exact percent, but it's something like 30, 40 percent of Americans say they have had a spiritual experience or a religious awakening. What that means is it's an open bag, of course, but the, uh, it could be anything. But it's meaningful, you know, what they take away from it. And and uh, you can't be critical of, of people who come away positively after they pray for Jesus Christ or pray every day two three times. You know, many people denounce them, and they shouldn't. They're, they, 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 I talk to them, and I, I purposely just to get a sense of their spirituality. It's just directed in that in there. You know, mine isn't. But I, my spirituality, truth-seeking, is a little bit more scientific organized or related. That doesn't fit my upbringing and, and belief systems for a variety of reasons. So I read about the quantum hologram theory, right? You know, the underlying you know, principles of explaining this peak experience. At the quantum level, everything is interconnected. Atoms, cells, plants, animals. It's a network of information. You know, do we go in that direction? Yeah. Are we talking about this shift in consciousness from one dimension of the hologram to another? You know, how, 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 you know, th there are aspects to this experience that can that are ineffable and can't be translated with via a language. You can't you can't talk about it? I've read hundreds of accounts of of people responding to the question. You know, what was it like when you experienced consciousness expansion? And then you try to define it as if <laughs> entering a matrix, you know, that was non-earthly. Something, the statement was something like that, that directs them. You know, it's, again, the limitation of a survey. And But you get, however, when, when a lot of people respond and you get similarities of the responses, it, it adds to the validity. And and what, what most come away with and say is just that the quantum hologram theory it's past present future don't exist it's all about love things we've heard and this is just one dimension of many you know things we've heard and, and people are trying to explain that either it's evan alexander in our documentary talking about meeting the sister that he never knew he had during his nde telling his parents her name and other information about the family he never heard about and the parents, after his NDE, when given that information by Evan, you know, could not believe it, according to Evan. They could yeah. not figure it out. How could he have not gotten that message other than interacting with her? Information exchange, consciousness, let's call it, for lack of a better term. I don't know. You know, to me, that's a form of consciousness, just like... Uh, atomic particles interacting with each other in a meaningful way that's a form of consciousness at that yeah. level you know so it's discipline specific what, what how we interpret it uh we got to get beyond that we got to get beyond you know i mean i think we argue beyond the uap enigma you know and and uh it, it's it's great what's going on but it's also frustrating because well, yeah well, I was going to say that's uh, that's actually what I love so much about the the UFO phenomenon, right? Or or UAP, and you know, Jacques Vallee had I think said at one point, you know, the UFO is like a is a, like a Zen Cohen, right? Um, but the you know the UFO phenomenon is often a catalyst for transformation, and you know. I, 
this has become like a thing I repeat very often now is that it, you know, the UAP is almost like a bridge between physics and metaphysics because we have physical objects that are observed that are tracked on radar, uh, multiple radar simultaneously, uh, that you can get on gun camera footage that create biological effects that create physical effects. Yet they're, they're demonstrating all these principles that we would consider metaphysical. And I mean, we consider them metaphysical because just because we don't understand their, their modus operandi currently. Um, but I think in this investigation into UAP, you know, both on, on a, on a, like a DOD level, uh, academic level, on a personal study level, all of these are opportunities for growth. Right. Um, so that's why I see the, the UFO phenomenon as, as being so important because it's such a, uh, you know, has the potential to kind of have the component of physics and objective physical reality, but it reaches far beyond that. And again, I think, um, you know, if you look at the ATIP slide nine, like we discussed, right. Mm-hmm. Cognitive human interface. It's talking about the, the, all the things that are in that slide are, um, are amazing. They're incredible. It's like, what, how is that even possible? But it's right there in a, in a ATIP slide, which mm-hmm. is part of a DOD briefing. Um, so, and, and, and with that, they have to investigate how this is occurring. Right. Um, I, I kind of have a side question here re- specifically regarding the UFO phenomenon, because what, you know, what do you think the effect would be if say there was a disclosure right there, say there's a UFO disclosure and they say, you know what, UFOs are real and they, they have been here on earth and we, we have some of the technology and they've been interacting with us and we have definitive proof. Like, what do you, what do you think the effect of mass, you know, collective consciousness would be on that, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine, you know, I'm, I, I don't have the kind of mind that can, you can speculate well about those kinds of things. Yeah. You're going to have a full spectrum of, of reaction. Uh, you're going to, it's the manic and the depressed are going to become more manic and depressed and paranoid. It depends on their pre-existing personality. Those that are open to, you know, open to this and paranormal in general, they're going to be turned on and have parties. Uh, yeah. What's the general reaction? The bell curve, however, you know, and here you have your outlier groups, among others, I'm sure. What's the general reaction? I'm sure n- more than one question, but that's where maybe Congress is as a mediator. Who knows how effective they are between military knowledge and and what is revealed to the public you know again they're in the dark i don't i don't you know probably not receiving 100 percent of information yeah and that goes down to you know who's controlling what information here right um, and, and let's face it it's an acknowledged access program that's still still continuing yeah. and uh and that's the frustrating part uh so that's why i kind of stay away as best i can from history uh, the geopolitical aspects of it. Of course, I read some of it. Of course, I do. But you know yeah. where I, more of my uh, world is about the phenomenon. It's a smorgasbord of the phenomenon, but you're doing right. It has a little of everything. Yeah. ESP, out of body, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, actually something that you wrote about in your article 
I, I would say you can extrapolate a little bit and say, because in the article you discuss how, you know, once you have one of these type of experiences, whether it be near death experience, out of body experience, psychedelic experience, a UFO encounter, you know, what have you. Uh, initially that that experience could be somewhat disturbing in a sense or unsettling it could be disruptive to your life right your way of thinking uh, but initially but generally speaking overall the individual and i i would extrapolate and say on a collective level uh you know usually grows positively in having that experience and I believe we have an opportunity with the UFO phenomenon. If if there was a disclosure confirmation in whatever way it happens, you know, whether it's some kind of announcement that we have, you know, crash retrievals, or if the phenomenon, which at any point in time could just reveal itself to, to the world uh, you know, matter of fact, like, okay, we're here, you know, and I can tell you, I've had experiences with this. And I know that many others have of, um, you know, scenarios that were put in their mind that demonstrated to them something to that effect, where there were just crafts all over the sky in broad daylight. And that has been a reoccurring theme that that's not often talked about, actually, but is many experiencers have that same sentiment, you know, whether that's how disclosure happens or the, in a post-disclosure world, that's something that occurs. I don't know, but it's it's definitely a, a prominent theme. Um, so that that's kind of my speculation on on part of the what you wrote in the article about how initially uh, an experience like this could be disruptive, yet it leads to. Um, yeah. an overall transformation and um, consciousness can, of course uh, it's obviously overwhelming as as we mentioned and and we people get uh new insights uh new questions are asked because it contradicts many aspects of of what their pre-existing beliefs and concepts of life are so they don't have a, an appropriate framework and or, or support system you know to, to turn to uh, and many people so speculated, uh, Graf and Graf, who wrote a book, A Spiritual Emergency, uh, I would recommend it highly to those, I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, um, James, uh, uh, Graf wrote a book, uh, Spiritual Emergency, uh, and they thought that many turn to spirituality, not organized religion as, as per se, many do, but, but you know, something, whatever spirituality may be, to them different as a buffer against this kind of stress that's being caused by by that emergency you know and if you go to a psychologist and explain to a psychologist you're going to get uh the librium and the uh, mood stabilizers of course and and maybe some people may need it especially right. if they interact with some people with uh, some beings up close and personal or see something again extraordinary and beyond their ability i'm sure i needed some anti-anxiety when I was rampant with my kundalini awakening, full blown kundalini. People don't understand what that is until you read yeah. about it. You got to be careful reading about it. There's some garbage out there, a lot of garbage yeah. out there, but there's some good work. And I've spoken to many academicians 
uh, Wollencott, uh, Dr. Yvonne Kassan, Spiritual Awakenings Institute, among other organizations. These are people who've had near-death experiences, uh, out-of-body experiences. They're starting to do research in this arena. Uh, and, and you start talking to very well-balanced individuals who you can't deny them. I mean, uh, you can't deny their experience or their belief in the experience and the associated revelation that it had and the healing and the transformation that, that they go through. But they feel right over time to be much better, you know, more adequate, more adjusted uh, than not. Again, the key word or, or, or phrase here is over time and the proper right. support system. And uh, and that depends on, on a wide variety of factors with any with, with any uh, issue that's yeah. large in scope and, and and how the government, you know, it depends on what the government or whomever would would reveal. Right. You know, what do they say about the crash saucer? Is it is it Bob Lazar is right? You know, what, 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 you know, they, they they come on with a picture of a four foot guy with a big eyes and say, guess what? This is real. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do it that way. It's going to be right. like more third, you know, close encounters of the third kind, spoon feed it subtly. However, that's done probably in integrated in society in some ways i don't know yeah that's beyond my ability to, to contemplate but it is an issue and it has to be addressed because certainly some people can't deal with it and that's why we need to make society in general especially the the, the, the mental community if i may say more aware of this certainly in eastern science as opposed to western science is very different in this regard in terms of how they view it and how they treat these things. You know, you tell you tell somebody in India, for instance, uh, who who practices Buddhism or Hinduism. I'm, I may be getting confused, and excuse me if I am. That that I interacted with the supreme being during my NDE, or I had an out of body experience, and and I I had uh, this mystical life experience, uh, deceased relatives and God, etc. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be worshipped or or looked up to, revered or something like that. You you mentioned that here to uh, you, you recently um, graduated you know psychologist psychiatrist. Again, you get a prescription. So <laughs> it's it's very different how the whole notion is is reflected, um, and and maybe we have the capacity and we're biologically predisposed. Um, to have these kinds of experiences. They had them in the past. I think they try to capture it in the Bible. It, it was triggered in different ways, you know, but it was triggered. And they try to capture it. Maybe that's spirituality. Maybe that's religiosity. And neuroscientists, who I know, they're trying to find an area of the brain that governs religiosity. Good luck. A God neuron. I can go on and on about some yeah. of the theories Newberg is doing it at the University of Pennsylvania, you know, but uh, no, if I repeat the term God, 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 God in your brain and this area lights up, that doesn't mean God exists, you know, or that's the religiosity. That means that's where the term is coded for. You know, the point is we got to be very careful in interpreting people's experiences. Um but we should be aware of the research and DMT studies, which may serve as a good neural neuro model of work in this arena. 
because you can't simply study it. You can you can do a pre-post with DMT. You can talk to them before and after, study their brain before and after, measure EEG before and after. Um, and before you, you know, you mentioned uh, Engram, he's, he, he advocates uh, meditation a lot. And we see uh, a greater oscillation within the brain in, in experienced meditators, among the other issues I mentioned earlier, uh, and other numerous benefits on a physiologic, emotional level. But we're seeing the correlation, you see here, the correlation between brain and positive transpersonal outcomes. And that has a lot of people interested. Like, like I, if I may speak for, like for Gary Nolan, who again is going to be on a documentary, and, and he's trying to get at the essence of the experience, see if there's a, if it is a chordate part of the pudiment in the brain, that's a highly complex, intuitive area, um, seems to interact with the most, if not all other areas in the brain. And he sees heightened white connectivity in this region. doesn't have any firm conclusions, but, you know, this phenomenon is something that he, you know, would, would advocate is, uh, you know, it leaves breadcrumbs. It sends you a message. And, and he said that. It leaves breadcrumbs. Uh, you know, we're, we're not uh, capable of uh, or allowed to know. Although some people say they do at some level. You know, who do you believe? The age old question. Uh, <clears throat> uh, are we seeing um, true reality or, 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 or not? What is true reality? sensory system based or not and that's what i did research on sensory systems primarily the brain and sensory functioning and how external events can interfere with the brain and sensory system functioning you see so now i'm 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 looking at stimuli in the form of ufos or external events uh torsion wage wave energy or spin force that may actually integrate with, with certain aspects of, of brain function that's quantum in nature and be collected by the brain. And, and thus we may actually integrate with the universe in this strange way or spin force, the, this biophotonic-like activity, torsion force, everything spins, you know, atoms, planets, we know that. Um, so, you, you know, you hold the brain up, reminds me, uh, you have imagine the brain is a you know, person's looking at you and you're looking at the brain let's take this the bone away now tilt tilt the brain up like that you know, you know it looks funny right but you see that little brain stem it looks like a torus it looks like a torus torsion energy it, it, as as something that might collect energy you know it's like when people have a kundalini experience obe you know that that chakra to here i don't want to get into that because i'm not a not an expert but i'm an experiencer at that level you know i felt that unbelievable energy going through my body my my body not being controlled by my mind or consciousness that sense of duality knowing that knowing this that i'm not my body knowing this now as a scientist or a trained one, whether I was good or bad is another person's this, this ultimate decision. Um, that was perplexing to me. I impeded that greatly because here I'm being presented with external information that made no sense. 
wouldn't make sense to anyone. But as a scientist, you know, when I have a question, I'm running, I'm running to the uh, resources by NIH and science.com and all the PubMeds and all that. I'm get, trying to collect the facts and figures that science, medicine, et cetera, is, it, is currently aware of. That's what I like to do and integrate that as I'm trying to do in the documentary on consciousness as best as possible. Not that we have an answer on consciousness because we don't. We're presenting different viewpoints from leading experts in the area, as I mentioned earlier. Consciousness info, consciousnessfilm.info again is the website to, to our documentary. And there you can learn more about it. So, so the point is present this in an objective way and try to make sense of it, however, in an objective way, which is almost impossible to do as an experiencer, because it does facilitate these after effects. It does facilitate some degree of bias. Um, you know, that's why Dave, uh, you know, he's really not an experiencer. He's had some unusual experiences. Synchronicities are quite incredible. I'll, I'll share a synchronicity with you just for the heck of it. About a few months ago, uh, I was, my wife was taking a cruise and entering the port of Costa Rica with her friends. And, and she sent me the video of it. There's the island of Costa Rica. Very nice. And two to three minutes later, while viewing that picture, I, I run into a license plate on an old car. It was white. And it's, it said Costa Rica. And just above it, it's spelled M-A-E, May. Well, that's yeah. the name of our that's the name of our granddaughter who was just born like two three months before this incident you know now you have to experience it like you said you were getting at to to realize oh man this is quite a, this is beyond coincidence in costa rica government the port how often do you see a license plate from costa rica because you know you know and then made the name uh come on uh yeah. could be Coincidental. Yeah, and you could win a lottery. I get it. These things do happen. But I've heard of coincidences that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so convincing. Um, and like ESP experiments, Dean Radin, speaking with him, uh, he said, Bob, uh, the results we come up with are beyond, uh, you know, six sigma. And, you know, that means the chances of, of the effect seen which he says suggests ESP, whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't want to get into it, but information transfer on a, a non-visible level, um, an intention largely based, but it's subtle effects statistically observed. You're not going to read another person's mind 100% of the time. It uh, doesn't work that way, but I've seen the data. The only way to know it, if ESP is real, is to study the data. And Dean Radin is right. Statistically, now a lot of people can't be swayed by statistical evidence. I can, because that was the world I lived in. Six Sigma, that means what? How many million to one that th that result could have happened? You know, if I, if I bake chocolate with good intention, with love, it, it's actually viewed to taste better than if I prepare the same, you know, uh, food, but with hate and whatever, you know, is there something to it? I, you know, I just spoke recently with uh, Dr. Bill Bengstrom. 
he was a chair of the um, Journal of Scientific Exploration, but years back, and has done many things. Um, he says he heals mice, tumors in mice. He's, he's shared with me videos. Now look him up on YouTube, Bill Bengston, B-E-N-G-S-T-O-N. Uh, considered to have him in a documentary that's up in Long Island. Uh, he and Roger Nolan of the um, Peer Lab, the Princeton Anomalous uh, Engineering Anomalous Research Group, where they did all that, uh, collected all that data from using um, uh, help, random help, number generator. Random, random number generator. generator. Yeah, and, and he worked with them. So, but he, but he sent me pictures where he just Bob. I don't know how I do it. I just put my intention on it. And and in 24 hours, the tumor is gone. I, I I have it medically certified. I have this this company now in the Netherlands that's doing studies based on that. Uh, the, the, then these, he says it goes beyond that. These rodents never develop cancer ever again. Their immune system actually improves to where it was better than it was before. Uh, can't explain it. So I talked to Dean Radin. He's now Dean Radin is working with Bill, uh, with Bill Bengtson. They're, they're corresponding. They're working, collaborating on this kind of research. And um, I encourage you to look at, a, at an interview with both of them. And I forget what show it was on. Maybe, you, maybe you're familiar with it, James, where they talked to us about that. Uh, Dean And I spoke to Dean about that. And Dean said, yeah, I believe it. Now, if that doesn't mean Dean is right. That's because he's Dean Radin. I have great respect for him, tremendous respect. And uh, but you know, he too, I bet, would say, you know, doesn't mean I'm a hundred percent right. Um, but it's certainly strongly suggestive. Like when I went to, uh, up to the uh, University of Virginia, where they did uh, research on reincarnation. Ian Stevenson and went to his library. It's a remarkable experience. There, there, I saw a journal bound journals a journal of physical i can't pronounce it right physical uh research but esp based consciousness based uh, research that was going on in the 1890s and I'm, uh, it was unbelievable to you know the time it, it stopped and ian stevenson who did research with reincarnation even had the swords on the wall and those swords that were on the wall had, had a unique little story for those who may be interested in, in Ian Stevenson, you know what I'm going to say. He, he said that swords, those swords that were provided the entrance and the exit wound, as represented by moles or birthmarks on, on these five, six, seven-year-olds, as they described their death. Um, it was strongly suggestive of the fact that they lived prior to now. How, how else, you know, anyway. Yeah, so that's a long shot, and he never said this conclusive proof, despite other you know, unique similarities and, and retrieving of information that these young ch children supposedly should not be aware of of their previous lives so his papers were there his books were there. it was a remarkable experience but we did not have the opportunity to speak uh, well we spoke with one person there bruce grayson we're going to talk with him at the um conference in september in uh, arlington virginia uh, the uh, international association for near-death studies 
and Dr. Jeffrey Long, him too, will be in our documentary. He's the co-founder of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. If anybody wants to understand what NDEs are about, I strongly encourage you for the academics, read articles by Grayson and, and you know, Pam Lamel, uh, among others, of course. Um, you get the, uh, the academic perspective. But if you really, really want to know what it's all about, go to the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website and find the, the reports by those who've had an NDE where they describe their experiences remarkable in the sense that there are numerous similarities among them. And I, I bet somebody can do, as I mentioned earlier, a thesis or a dissertation, qualitative research, of course, based on the responses from over a thousand people. Um, and now some of it is embellished, of course, some of it is not uh, mentally sound in nature, uh, derived in nature, but uh, come on. Uh, given the large uh, number of people responding, you, you, you have to uh, look at that information. That's what I'm, I advocate for. Again, the phenomenological effort to better understand this this kind of uh, phenomena. Yeah, and um, the the documentary, the consciousness connection, uh, the scope of it, I'm I'm guessing, goes over all of this. Um, how much of a, of an inclusion in the documentary is has UAP? Um, Gary Nolan, you know we can't we can't have uh, 10, 12 talking heads. Um, I don't want to mention names, but we we had some, some leading UAP researchers, investigators who were committed. Uh, but but you know we will we will Dave and I will finally make the final decision. Uh, Gary Nolan definitely is in the film, and he will address it. You know, but again, it's from his perspective as, as an experiencer and also as as a professional researcher in 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 the related area. You know uh, how direct it is to the UAP is you know still up for debate, but it's remarkable what work he, that he is doing. Applauded tremendously. Um, Maybe Kathleen Martin. Uh, she lives down here in Florida, where I am, in uh, near Orlando. You know, uh, uh, I had Dave Bledsoe. You know, do, do we go up there and have him call down an orb? You know, I spoke to him and I say, "How do you know an orb's there?" And uh, I know it, like a knowingness. And then he goes outside, and there it appears. You know, a few seconds after he, and uh, you know, I could play a video for you, uh, share it, and play it for you of that he sent to me of, of him interacting with an orb. I'm afraid I'll do something wrong here, but um, um, but but maybe I can. Hang on. Uh, and the point is, it's almost like a spiritual event. Uh, you know, we, we get to that earlier. And... Um, so the, the question is uh, the way he talks about it. If you listen to it, there it is. Oh, it's moving now over the tree, you know, and um, it, it, it's deeply moving to him. But a lot of people express that now. Is it a conscious, intelligent, purposeful, intentional entity that, it, or is it a 
plasma, geo, geomagnetically derived, that may have some form of consciousness. It may indeed. Um, everything I do believe is conscious at some level. You, you bought a painting, it's consciousness because it provides you with an interpretation of beauty or disgust, but it gives you information. So uh, same thing with, with this, that, that orb in the sky is giving him tremendous information that's loving, kindness. It, it, it's, it supports what these other studies are saying out of John Hopkins um, and among other few places that are saying when being, being, people are interacting with this, let's call it energy beings, for lack of a better term. Some people call them orbs plasmoids uaps we, we don't even have the language right and maybe nor should we because we don't understand it once we understand it better then we could put terms that are more appropriate to it so for now i guess uaps is better than anything else you know that it's it, it we it's acceptable we all understand what it implies i think there is still however debate whether or not to include yeah how many times we listen to somebody talk about i see uh, little tiny red orbs flying in my bedroom now is that a uap i i i, I spoke to somebody at seti they include that as uaps it's an unidentified aerial phenomena they're open they're using techniques and objectives unique to seti uh, they just started I'm very curious to see the outcomes of their research. I mean, they don't even want to talk about the details, but they're a, a, a you know physical, you know, uh, <laughs> that's their arena. But they're not talking about it. Like it's like the um, military is not talking about the the, 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 the mega frequency range that they're finding off the coast uh, the wow signal 14.5 megahertz uh, collected at ohio state uh, that lasted for you know about 30 times greater than the background noise that hiss of of the cosmos um it, it, that wow signal never seen again was what is that was that you know some people yeah. speculate of course uh extraterrestrial whatever like a new amour something strange debatable um galileo project we well, should be on the lookout for more things astronauts report things weird things all the time come on um yeah. gordon cooper did uh, we, we you know again we could go in and dissect these these the historical narratives of some of these discussions but that's what turned me on to ufos um i don't know maybe i was just a curious kid maybe that's what led me to science but look growing up in the 60s james you darn well know you got people going to the moon you, you want to stay home sick and watch them lift off you yeah. know <laughs> you don't want to go you know listen to mrs mcgillicuddy talk about math and uh, often oftentimes the novel backfire on you because they'd have to scrub the mission for one reason or another and you'd have to make believe you're sick the next day too to, anyway uh you know that and star trek and uh, richard dreyfus and the mashed potatoes um it's it's spurred everybody's interest uh, but still many people i know you know don't give a darn uh, for whatever reason, and we're all different. Uh, we respect that. Uh, it's hard to do, you know, especially when you have an experience that we're talking about. And the uniqueness of it kind of puts us in a in a community. 
a separate community now where we, where we weren't before. We were nine to five. You know, I knew I know lawyers who go to CE who organize CE fives. Mike Merberg up in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. He's still a lawyer. Uh, Nancy Duterte. She's in a documentary. Noted lawyer. Uh, practice in New York City. Noted lawyer. Um, experiencer. It, it, people can see uh, in our consciousness film that info to see the trailer, and I forgot to mention that. And she's in there along with, um, um, oh, I'm sorry, I forget her name. Uh, but anyway, uh, she's you'll see if you look at the trailer. And uh, it, she and her daughter had, a, had an interesting UFO ex experience and saw it in, in the sky and another craft emerged from it. And, uh, you know, it's all she's a lawyer. It's funny. I know a lot of lawyers for some reason who are experiencers. I don't know if it's unique to that profession, but they come in all, all professions. You know, that's what, what, what I learned more since I retired um about various topics multidisciplinary nature through my personal experiences as well reading books relying on the interpretation studies of others many quite coincidentally are in our documentary people i read about years ago looked up to here i had the opportunity i'm i'm, I'm you know kind of like friends with them now and they're in my film and you know it's, it's fantastic stressful yeah need money yeah the da downsides yeah my my wife is not uh into the mashed potatoes like i so you know what's up with bob spend more time with me i did i, I i'm sorry honey i'm on a mission <laughs> you're not, you're, you know yeah. but but people watching you you too are on a mission why are you doing uh your show yeah why, yeah. why are you doing it james yeah because it's to spread awareness and and you know after having some of the experience it's almost like you're you have a duty to share you know because you know it's a reality you know but how do you how and you share it by you know, bringing people in i love your show by the way um and the guests that you bring in i applaud you for doing that um that's correct and that is the same reason why I like to be on some shows. I'm selective now, but um, happy to be on your show. And with Grant Cameron, for instance, uh, you know, and a few others, uh, Alex Sakaris, uh, Mishlov, um, selective. And uh, I, uh, Buddha at the gas pump. Yeah, if you yeah. ever read great. Oh, yeah, they have great energy. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, um, website interview interviewees uh long list covering many different topics kundalini is addressed by many experts in the bat gap bat gap.com yeah. uh rick archer brilliant dude interesting yeah. story yeah I, i've been uh, watching his that show for years yeah you know he you know i was into drugs I dropped out you know and and here he's now into spiritualism he's so tuned in and and in my mind brilliant about spirituality and life and the way he interprets it um he's had many experiences many of the people he talks to are long-term meditators and maybe if yeah. there's any one message i can 
that I'd like for you to, your audience to come away with is to consider something like meditation. Not it doesn't have to be strictly you know repeating a mantra every twenty minutes every day. Unique to the person, something to relax you. At, you know, for maybe once or twice every day, trying to make it a daily routine, like um, whatever it may be. Uh, have it take the place of a destructive habit or, or something. You'd be surprised how they're finding results at the level of the brain, you know, at where the alpha wave, where the more relaxed frequencies, four to seven, eight hertz or so, uh, that's when you're in that theta, kind of very relaxed, nice state of mind. Um, they see that that is, in long-term meditators, becoming the more prominent brainwave even when the person is awake, thinking that the person is now naturally becoming more a more relaxed person by meditating. So in other words, yeah. meditation is causing a, a purposeful, beneficial structural change to the brain. Yeah. And that's what they're looking at with these spiritual transformative experiences. Is it, is it causing a change to the brain? Uh, you know, is Gary Nolan going to find it? Is he on the right path? Or is it the other way around? Does the brain cause that? Well, I think uh, physical is part of consciousness, not the other way around. Um, and and uh, I think uh, some, I think I, my gut at best tells me it's an external event that, uh, may, and we're predisposed to it. And yeah. I don't know if it's the Orcor theory with the you know tubules that describe the the, yeah. where the quantum physics is. Like we, we're just conjecturing. It's hard to hard to even get into that. I'm not a physicist to explain that. I don't want to sound like I know you know too much physics. I don't. But you know, I just try to listen and read what these people are writing. It's Stuart Hammerhoff and, and the University of Arizona people are look, looking at that and others too quantum processes in the brain, nanotechnology, some speculating that uh, UAPs may very well be, be avatars of some type, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, reflection of us or how we interpret it. I mean, it, it, the explanations, as you well know, are so diverse. It um, Some of it's right on, but you can't help but speculate because you, you continue to seek that truth. And that's because you're spiritual now. And that's you. Before you never did that. You go to McDonald's, have to have a Big Mac, and scratch uh, <laughs> yourself, and go to go to a ball game at night. Or, you know, or now you're talking to Bob Davis and, and a lot of other you know you know strange people who are discussing things like this. Um, a lot of academics are are obviously engaged in this, and they but they're out in the open. I just had a talk with uh, Wollencott. I forget her first name. She may be in the documentary at the University of um, Washington um, and uh, had many kundalinis and, and talking to another person who's had other kundalinis is like you, James, talking to another person that has had a similar experience as you, a few and far yeah. between. But I, I'll, if I can say this on your air, like I said to Joe McMonagall, it's like a, a, a cognitive orgasm. You know, you yeah. don't really want to hang up. You know, you get it, man. You have careers. You know, the, the, are you, are, do you feel different when you're talking about spirituality? Is there something about when you read and discuss it with others that uh, does something to you? Um, you, you know, what, what is that all about? Yeah. 
and uh, you know we're getting to the end here and i'm, yeah. I'm going to include the the trailer uh to the film in the description so everybody can see it um but uh, do you have any parting words for the audience well thank you for listening thank you james for um for allowing me to share my two cents and um yeah i encourage people to take a look at the website and support us if you resonate with us if you can times are tough i get it but um, um subscribe at least if you wish if you feel the need to um, and uh, we'll keep in touch and feel free to email me i'd be happy to talk talk with with anyone about the film and and anything keep an open mind um be careful what you hear be selective not everything is true it's hard to know what is true and what isn't um, but you're not alone and if you do want to talk to someone about your experience please be know that there are people who are credentials who are experiences that that are sensitive to your particular issue and you should seek them for if you somehow and maybe you can go to MUFON, who can supply you some names of people who are counselors or psychologists who deal with experiences. And I encourage you to go, seek the right person. Um, so uh, I wish you all well. And James, thanks again. And uh, um, Dave, Betty, and I uh, appreciate your support. Sure thing. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. So uh, take care, everybody. Bye-bye.